Thank you for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. Hello, welcome to the last episode of The Rest is History of 2021. It's the 31st of December. And as we go through the 12 days of Christmas, um, Dominic, today we've got two dates from history, both of which, you know, are not, they're not exactly cheery, are they? Well, it's every New Year, every New (laughs) Year's Eve, my thoughts naturally turn to Jean Bedel Bokassa. (laughs) the leader of the Central African Republic, who later crowned himself emperor. Go on, Tom. What are you going to say? Well, no, so, so we've got him, uh, and then, well, now I'll, I'll, save what I, I'll save my choice. Go on, then. Uh, do, you save your then. choice. So I'll, I'll, I should talk about um, Bacasa. So some listeners may remember that we had Tom Owalade talking about um, post-colonial Africa, uh, the sort of decolonization and then the, the independent um, rulers and so on. And Bacasa is one of the, he's one of the bad boys, I think it's fair to he's say. He's the Caligula of... He is a bit. Is he, I do mean, I mean the Nero? Yes, I think so. Is that your... Idi Amin is the Nero. Idi Amin is more famous. Caligula. I think Bacasa is the kind of connoisseur's choice. Isn't yeah. he, for, for, well, so also, I, I mean, the whole imperial stuff, the Napoleonic stuff. So there's a slight whiff of Napoleon in Egypt about this as well. There absolutely is. So Bacasa, so let's put this into context. So the, basically... The 31st of December 1965 is when he launches his the coup that will take him to power and in the end to imperial greatness. But he begins life in 1921, um, 100 years ago. He's one of 12 children. Large families have been a theme of the 12 days yep. of Christmas because you may remember some of you that... Uh, so is he, is he Catholic? Um, I would say they probably are. Well, Catholicism is probably there because they're in a French colony. Yeah. Um, so he's born to a village chief in a place called Bobangui, which is a, I mean, I'm reading from my notes, a large Mbaka village in the Lobe Basin. Elaborate on that, Dominic. Well, I don't actually know what, those, <laughs> what that means. Oh, do you? It's in the equatorial forest, it says okay. here, in uh, what's French equatorial Africa. So basically in the heart of Africa. Um, the Central African Republic. Right. But it's yeah. a, it's, this is a very kind of little known part of Africa. It's Chad, right? it's kind of bordered by Chad, South Sudan, um, yeah. sort of various other places. It's it's now the Central African Republic is one of the two poorest places really on the planet. I think this and Niger are the two places mm. with the lowest, some of the lowest living standards. So basically, Bacassa, his father, he becomes orphaned quite young. I think his father was killed in a fight with some Frenchmen or something. And um, he joins the French army, which if you're a self-improving kind of person in Africa, is often what you do. It's what Idi Amin kind of did. You join the kind of colonial occupiers mm-hmm. army and then you work your way up there. So he he's a World War II veteran. He fights in France for the French. He actually fights his way into Germany. So mm-hmm. he's been, this is the sort of side of, the, the war hero side of him you don't, you don't often hear about. He, he carries on fighting for the French after World War II and he fights with them in Indochina in sort of Vietnam. And he's actually... Dien Bien Phu. That, all, that kind of it, stuff. all that stuff exactly and he's actually given the legion d'honneur so is he? The, the french think very highly of him 1960 his colony um his, you know his homeland becomes independent it becomes basically the central african republic and it's its first president is a man who happens to be his cousin 
who is a man called David Daco. So uh, two years later, Bacasa leaves the French army and he comes back to the Central African Republic and he becomes... So all this time he's been, he's been serving with the French army? Well, serving with the French. He's always very close to the French. He becomes later very close to Valérie Giscard de Yes, he does it, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, come, he becomes the commander of the Central African Army, basically, because he's got all this experience. He's only got 500 soldiers. So it's a tiny, minuscule army in this very, very poor country. Um, and he, rides, he becomes the boss of the army. There are, there are, there are various um, reports that um, he insists on wearing all his medals, which annoys people. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to sort of show off how important he is. And he also always wants to sit next to his cousin at ceremonies. And other people mm-hmm. don't think he should do this. He doesn't... He doesn't um, like this there are increasingly heated arguments about where you sit at the president's table this is why you need a round table well it is and um bacassa takes this terribly seriously and is very put out he doesn't get to sit next to his cousin his cousin foolishly does not take it so seriously and thinks it's hilarious (laughs) bacassa a a beginner's error (laughs) bacassa get to 1965 and there's military coups in africa left right and center as the as the original kind of founding fathers of independence yeah. are displaced, somebody says to Daco, "Are you not worried that your cousin, who's so cross about the seating arrangements at dinner, is going to pull off a coup?" And he says, uh, "No, Colonel Bacasa only wants to collect medals, and he's too stupid to pull off a coup d'état." <laughs> now, oh dear, schoolboy, I mean that is asking for trouble. <laughs> as soon as you say that. In Africa in the 1960s, the coup happens yeah. immediately afterwards. <laughs> they couldn't hit an elephant at this dist. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happens. So, um, Bacasa decides he, Daco starts to build up his own presidential guard and Bacasa thinks, right, it's now or never. You know, I've only got a few hundred men. So on the 31st of December, 1965, he launches his coup and, uh, Bacasa uh, sorry, Daco, the president, is arrested and is taken to Picasso. Picasso very bizarrely hugs him and says, I tried to warn you, but now it's too late. <laughs> so they, they don't kill him, though. They actually just put him in prison. Um, okay. And so it's actually, it's by the standards, you know, Picasso is not a monster because it's no. quite a bloodless coup. Uh, this sort of message goes out on the radio. Is he kept alive? Or? He is kept alive. So... Because he becomes later on becomes president again later on after Bacasa is gone. Yeah. Oh, that's good. News. So Bacasa addre- addresses the public on Radio Bangui. Do you want to hear his message, Tom? I'd love to. Yeah. He says, "Central Africans, this is Colonel Bacasa speaking to you. Since three o'clock this morning, your army is taking control of the government. The Daco government has resigned. The hour of justice is at hand. The bourgeoisie is abolished. Oh. They don't really have a bourgeoisie in the Central African Republic. <laughs> so is so- he? He's a, a communist. Is he? Is he? A- he's not. Just- he's just spouting the stuff that people. So this is French rather than Russian. Yeah, well, Gibberish. interestingly, one thing, the French are not displeased about the coup at all because... Well, so Daco, I was going to ask about that. Because Daco, so they love Picasso because he's been in their army yeah. and he's their pal. Daco had been cozying up to the Chinese, Tom. Well, he'd been taking, that. he'd been trying to encourage aid from China. The French because didn't the, like that the, at all. The, the, the French are, I mean, they, they, they keep quite tight reins, don't they? They do. On their former colonies, colonies in Africa. They, they absolutely the do. Years. They absolutely do. What you can get from the, the Central African Republic, its biggest export is wood, but it also produces gold and diamonds and uranium. So well, obviously, diamonds. Yeah. Well, diamonds will come up. So uh, Picasso says the army will, you know, new era, all this tremendous. And he, it's a bit of a modernizer at first. So often some of these people who you think of as tremendous villains have these other sides to them. So do you want to hear about his modernizing? I'd love to. Band, band begging. I mean, I'd rather hear about the mad stuff. Tom Tom playing. 
only allowed in evenings and at weekends. Okay. So you try to play a tom-tom at three o'clock on a Wednesday in the <laughs> afternoon. Be, no be good. Arrested. Uh, polygamy is banned. Okay. Female circumcision is banned. Okay, he good. opens a public transport system with three bus lines. Okay, good. That's not bad. And a ferry yeah. system. And, and subsidizes two new national orchestras. Well, this is wonderful stuff. So, I yeah, so not, however there's a downside he does carve up his finance minister with a razor after a disagreement about the budget in 1968 so that's well, a low i think well that's, we can think of a number of prime ministers who would yeah margaret Thatcher and nigel that. lawson or, yeah. Yeah. or tony of course to tony, and gordon. And gordon. tony and gordon yeah oh my Boris and rishi if tony had only taken after did he literally do that or is that is that a, a, a slander some people say he the finance minister was hanged or some other fate awaited him but there was definitely a disagreement about the budget and there was definitely violence the rumors that he was he engaged in cannibalism well we're going to come to this we're going to come to this right so in traditional fashion time goes on and he becomes more and more hubristic and uh, on the 4th of december 1977 he crowns himself emperor of central africa and he basically has this massive coronation Modelled on the coronation. Brilliant throne in the shape of an eagle, doesn't he? It looks absolutely... Do you know, I've always thought... Every time I've looked at that, I thought, if if I became... um, You know, if I staged a coup and I became leader of a country, that's exactly what I'd do. I think if you have a coup, to my mind, there are two reputable ways to go. So one is to be like Antonio Salazar, who was the economist who became dictator of Portugal. Portugal. And he was very austere and um, sort of... I think you could do that... And, and keep some degree of credibility. You could say, I'm just very professorial. You know, I'm the father of the nation, all that. Or kind you of thing. go the full Caligula. Or you go the full, I'll have a throne like an eagle. I'll give diamonds to <laughs> people. Yeah. I'll, I'll just go completely mad. So his coronation cost a third of his country's annual budget. So basically it also cost, interestingly, the exact amount of money that, of aid money that the French gave them every year. He spent the whole lot on his coronation, which was modeled on Napoleon's coronation. Which in a way the French, I mean, must have felt flattered by. <laughs> well, they were feeling very flattered because he was he was giving uh, President Giscard diamonds, yeah, which later would come back to bite Giscard and cost him. Some people say cost him the nineteen eighty one French presidential election because this was absolutely scandalous that he was basically accepting diamonds from this African. So emperor. even the, even the French found that shocking. Well, they didn't find it as shocking as we would. I mean, they thought it was perhaps slightly overstepping the mark. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's kicked out in a coup in 1979 and Daco comes back and Daco gives evidence at Bacassa's trial and says, I've seen butchered bodies um, in the in the sort of cold storage rooms of uh, Bacassa's palace and Bacassa would snack on them. Bacassa's security chief testified that he had personally cooked human flesh and served it to Bacassa on an occasional basis. There were rumours, Tom, that Bacassa had served his enemies to, to Giscard and other visiting Frenchmen. Now we know that the French have interesting, you know, they'll eat horse, they eat horse snails. Don't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so whether they eat like former Central African Republican finance ministers, but I thought these were not true. These rumours were not true. I think they're probably not true. What actually does for, does for Bacassa? Idi Amin did, right? No, Idi Amin didn't. That's that wasn't true either. Up. I think that's so that, made up. Okay. I think these are all slightly sort of distasteful, slightly racist rumours, aren't they? But they're originating with within African. Discourse. Yeah, themselves, I suppose so, yes. But what Bacassa had done, he had done a terrible thing, actually, Tom. So um, listen to this. So what, what caused the coup was that at the beginning of 1979, he passed a law that all high school students should wear a uniform made in a factory owned by one of his wives. It's basically to enrich his wife. 
And when the, the students didn't like this at all, you know, we're talking about sixth formers and stuff. Were they were they nice uniforms or? No, I think they're terrible. They're terrible. Um, okay, they're probably very scratchy or something. They they threw stones at his car, and he was very put out by it. And including they like lots of kids threw stones at his car. He was absolutely outraged by this. He ordered his men to round up loads of children and kill them. And that's about true, is it? People, that's, yeah, killed about a hundred kids. Do you know what's what's amazing about this? Um, the Twelve Days of Christmas is that we've we've chosen these. I mean, certainly I didn't think about the various ramifications, but we've had a massacre of innocents, and now we've got another massacre of innocents. This happens a lot in history, I suppose. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So the French eventually pulled the plug. They thought he was embarrassment, and that was enough. So in the, the end of seventy nine, they got rid of him. But he wasn't executed or anything. I think he just sort of lingered on, died in prison or something like that, or died in exile. Didn't he? Didn't go to France. Hang out with Giscard. Should we do some live research? Yeah, do some live research. We haven't done some live research for a while. Here we go. He dies in 1996. Yeah, that's quite late. So he was tried. Yes, I knew he'd been tried in the Central African Republic for treason, murder. He was found cleared of cannibalism, found guilty of the murder of school children. He was sentenced to death, but it was commuted to life in solitary confinement. But then he was pardoned and released in 1993, and he lived a private life in Bangui and died in 1996. Hmm. So he had seven. He had, I mean, we're talking about people with a lot of children. He had 17 wives and 50 children. Goodness. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot, a lot of, of Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah. There's a nice Christmas theme to end our discussion of uh, the Emperor Picasso. Well, that, I thought that was, that was fascinating. Okay. What's next? Um, well, we'll find out after the break. What, what excitement? What drama? All right. We'll see you after the break. Support for this episode comes from the National Theatre. So, Tom, we are talking once again about the National Theatre's very own streaming platform, and it is called the National Theatre at Home. Yeah, it's a fantastic way to watch loads of brilliant theatre from the comfort of your sofa at home. There's no need to miss out just because a show has sold out or because you can't get a babysitter or because a trip to London is too far for one evening. And this month, Dominic, they are launching the Olivier award-winning musical The Little Big Things, an extraordinary true story about an ordinary family. When one moment changes everything, Henry's family are split between a past they no longer recognise and a future they could never foresee. It is based on the Sunday Times best-selling autobiography by Henry Fraser. It is a great new musical about the transformative power of family and how it is the little things that matter the most. Oh, Tom, it's so life-affirming, isn't it? You can subscribe now for only £9.99 a month. And to find out more, visit ntathome.com. That's N-T-A-T home.com This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up is never a good idea. It can have terrible consequences. For instance, look at all the conflicts throughout history. I wonder how many of them could have been solved if they just talked things out. And Tom, I have a confession for our listeners. As you know, I've been really struggling with anxiety about the massive series that we've got coming on The Rest is History, all the prep we have to do for that series on the French Revolution, the First World War. I mean, it's all mounting up, isn't it? And when we talked it out, I felt so much better now that I got all those crippling anxieties and insecurities off my chest. If you want to talk, you can always talk to me. But if not, then I highly recommend 
therapy. It can help you learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It empowers you, Dominic, to be the best version of yourself. If you want to give therapy a try, why not check out BetterHelp? It's entirely online, it's convenient and flexible, and it's really easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash rest is history today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rest is history. Welcome back to The Rest is History. The tension has been mounting as we've been waiting to find what Tom has chosen as his New Year's Eve happy celebratory <laughs> moment. <laughs> Tom, what is it? It's um, a- a- another killer. It's killed more than Picasso. It's killed more than Herod. Uh, it's killed more than the US Army. Uh, wounded knee. It's coronavirus. It's uh, COVID. Uh, because it was on this day two years ago, 2019, yeah, that the World Health Organization was first informed of uh, there being cases of viral pneumonia in Wuhan. I thought that this would be a suitably <laughs> jolly note on which on which to end uh, the series of podcasts that we've done this year, because probably without COVID, we wouldn't we wouldn't have started doing the podcast in a way. I mean, you know, we've been shaped by it, but we haven't talked about COVID at all as as a historical phenomenon. What kind of whether uh, it will be remembered by the history books, uh, whether it will be forgotten, like Spanish flu famously has yeah. been forgotten. Um, so I, d- I don't know what your views are on that, Dominic, whether you think that this will be remembered as a kind of seismic global event or, or whether it will fade and pass away. It's really hard to say, Tom. I think um, Spanish flu is a very good example because Spanish flu, I remember reviewing a book about the Spanish flu about three or four years ago. Um, called Pale Rider by Laura Spinney, a brilliant book, actually, really interesting book. And um, what struck me then was the Spanish flu famously killed more people than World War One. It had a you know colossal. And it kept coming back in waves. Four, it? I think there were four waves of the Spanish yeah. flu in about two or three years. So Spanish flu famously not Spanish. Um, people think it was American. Spanish. I think wasn't. It? Yeah, people was it think America? probably started actually. I mean, I've seen things saying it maybe it started on kind of pig farms in Kansas. Yeah, that it was taken by American soldiers to the great troop camp at Etape, uh in France, and they're spread among the Allied soldiers, and then spread and spread and spread. So, so it's a contrib- definitely a contributing factor to the collapse of the German army at the end of 1918, and then spreads throughout the world. Kills more people than the First World War. You know, there are places have lockdowns, places have all kinds of different measures to kind of cope with well, it. Well, is it the so the whole thing about the lockdowns? Um, there were famous case examples of, of cities that did lock down and suffered far fewer casualties than cities that yeah. didn't. And those were hugely informative on the readiness of governments to impose lockdowns this time around. Yeah, although the, the, the results of Spanish flu kind of lockdowns and measures were kind of mixed. So, for example, some places closed their schools. But I think in New York, if I'm remembering correctly, and apologies if I have misremembered, but I think in New York... Um, the the health people insisted on keeping the schools open because they said there we can observe the children and we'll be able to step in and act and if we you know were children more at risk from spanish flu well, well children were much more at risk i mean that, that, that was the, the kind of hideous twist wasn't it that it was the young that were targeted exactly. by it rather than the old yes exactly that's why it rips through the armies 
in the first world war and then of course through kids exactly so lots of families would have lost a child or known people who'd lost a child and obviously that's what i think in terms of the the sort of almost the imaginative impact that's the big difference between the spanish flu and covid is that covid is not a disease so children have as far as we know and also uh, that i suppose the impact of spanish flu is blunted by the fact that the first world war had had gone on before which was visual a visual um display of destruction that the impact of um covid i I imagine for future historians will be aggravated by the fact that it it hit a globalized era of peace yeah i think that's probably right because it's 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 frontiers being closed uh flights being cancelled uh great cities falling silent that is shocking because up until that point, everything had been so interconnected, and it's those yeah. interconnections that actually enabled COVID to spread as fast as it as it did. I mean, the weird thing about Spanish flu is it leaves so little impact on popular memory. So, you know, if anyone's ever studied the 1910s and 1920s at school, you know, you'd spend weeks and weeks and weeks on the First World War, months, and then it's sort of, oh, the Spanish flu also happened. Now let's move on to the Roaring Twenties. Well, we're get, we're going to be doing 1922, aren't we? I think it's is that going to be our first one of our uh, first standalone pop, yeah, podcast yeah. of of the new year, so anniversary, obviously, and that's the year in which um, the wasteland is published. And actually, when you read the wasteland, you do notice its presence in a way that I hadn't done. The people sweeping over London, yeah, like this London Bridge. kind of people coughing, yeah, uh, this kind of sickness. Uh, it's a, a kind of lurgy, yeah. It's there, it's there on the yellow fog, um, so. Perhaps people will look back at the works of literature, the works of art, um, the culture but people, of the 20s. But nobody talks be... about the Spanish flu. Yeah. I mean, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, the Spanish flu was gone as a subject of conversation, wasn't it? I mean, people Right, didn't... so I reckon people will remember this. I think it will be remembered as, as a kind of seismic historical event uh, for two reasons. Go on. The first is that um, the world, was, you know, just saying, was is, has been so much more connected than it was in the early 1920s. Yeah. And so the effect of lockdowns, of governments putting up national barriers, are seismically much, much greater. Yeah. Um, and people have been able to have lockdowns to the degree that they've been able to because of the improvement in technology. Yeah. You simply couldn't, you know, you couldn't do Zoom in 1920. No, 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 of course. Uh, so people just had to carry on. And, you know, quite a lot of people can die in the background without the mass of society noticing. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of the, the grim truth of it. Uh, you know, every year we have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people die of flu and, and yeah. barely registers. So um, the fact that you have all this amazing footage of the great, you know, the great streets of the great cities going silent. I mean, that's there. It's recorded. People will look at it and they will serve as very, very powerful visual signifiers of what happened. Um and I think the other reason, and I think this is still very much open, what the impact will be, is that China behaved disgracefully over the early months. Uh, and I think that that a, a question that was seen as very much a kind of crankish, Piers Corbyn-esque yeah. perspective a year ago, the idea that it had been, a, a, you know, a, a, perhaps a leak from the, the laboratory at Wuhan, I think is now, it, it's more broadly accepted, as, as certainly as a possibility. I don't think the truth will ever be known. But I think that that will... I, I think that that has measurably darkened international perspectives on China over the past year. I think that globally people are a lot more suspicious of China than they were. I think that's possibly that. true. Also coincides, of course, with the Chinese crackdown on the Uyghurs, doesn't it? So, um, 
Yeah, well, I think it's expressive of that. And Hong Kong. So there's sort of a series of things at once. I think think what will make it remembered uh, is probably the government response to it rather than COVID itself. So because the government response to it has obviously been, when I say intrusive, I mean, it's, it's obviously literally been intrusive in the sense that it has forced you to stay at home. You have the app, you have test and trace, you have all these things, which obviously didn't really exist in the 1920s. It's obviously had an economic impact because of lockdowns. So it, I think it's been a catalyst. It's accelerated changes that were already underway, the death of the, the development streets. of podcasts, for instance. The development of podcasts is actually an example of that, though, isn't it? Yep. Like the decline of traditional media and the rise of new media, the the uh, move to online shopping and so on, the development of the digital economy, all those kinds of things. I mean, they've been speeded up by COVID. They would have happened anyway, but more slowly, I think. But also, I suppose there's an argument. I don't want to sound like a paranoid lunatic, but there's there's um. There's an go argument. On. Sound like a paranoid. No, I don't. I won't sound go like a paranoid. Go on, go on, go on. Obviously, you know, if you live in a world where you're showing your vaccine passport, where you um, are sort of biosecurity age, I mean, mm. that may well be the future. You know, we may all have. Well, we don't know, do we? We don't know. It's too early to say. But uh, it's completely plausible, Tom, that in the year 2080, on your phone, if, if phones still exist, you will have a record of all your vaccinations. Yeah. And you will need to show these things to get into various places, especially if there are more pandemics. So in that sense, the sense COVID, because of the, the role of government. Yeah, the infrastructure has been set up for that. The infrastructure is ready, but also the role of government more generally, furlough, taking on massive debt. I mean, we are going to be, those are going to be issues yeah. for, the next, for, for the rest of our lives, actually. So happy new year, everyone. Ho, ho, ho. We've recorded, um, so we've done, what, six episodes now. In a of, the, of the 12, uh, of the 12 days, of days of Christmas. And this was meant to be a kind of cheery, you know, Tom, it bit, hasn't of been fun, bit of knockabout. It, it hasn't really, has it? I mean, some of them have, but... But you've made... Boy, you, you've chosen... Well, I know. What was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> so we've got some much more cheery ones for the next few episodes of this particular series, haven't we? We've got births and... Well, we've got some deaths, but we've got births of... Uh, yeah, we've got, we've got two, so uh, two calamities hitting the Roman Empire at various stages. Um, but we've got, I think it's quite nice because we get to, to draw um, uh, parallels between events that uh, we wouldn't yeah. otherwise do. Anyway, we should say goodbye and wish you a happy new year. Very happy new year. Uh, and we will see you in 2022. I.e. Tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the next edition of the 12 or 13 days of Christmas. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, please sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.